Hey there, podcast listeners. Chris here. I'm here as your good news, bad news messenger. First, the bad news. If everything had gone according to plan, you'd be hearing the start of episode four of the When Everyone Leads podcast with Joseph Shepard of Lead for America. That you are hearing me instead of the intro right now should be a dead giveaway that things have not, in fact, gone according to plan. April is turning out to be a crunch time for the podcast team. Brianna, who is the editor behind our sound as well as the co-host, has been spending much of her time helping us pull off our When Everyone Leads and Lead for Change programs. When I'm not behind the microphone, I'm the executive editor of the journal, and we just published our spring edition and all that comes with that. Our podcast teammates, Marin Berblinger, Julian Montez, and Neha Batawala have a full dance cards too. Rather than working ourselves to burn out to stick to our timeline, we've decided to choose among competing values and push the next episode back two weeks. As simple as we've tried to make this podcast, there's still tons of hours that go into planning, booking, recording, producing, and promoting this podcast. Hours that must come from somewhere. We talk in chapter eight of the book about how leadership is about addressing values conflicts. And we've chosen the value of delivering on our day-to-day responsibilities and taking care of ourselves over this project, which is near and dear to our hearts. There is loss in not having our next episode ready for us and hopefully for you as well. We've been exceeding our most optimistic expectations so far. We're reaching thousands of listeners now, and the high I get every time a new episode comes out can carry me through the week. Hopefully, you're looking forward to hearing us too. On the bright side, we've reached the halfway point of season one. So if there was ever a time to take a pause, this is it. If you haven't caught our episodes with Claudia Morrow, Eric Liu, and Jill Landreth, please go back and take a listen. In the weeks to come, you'll hear not only from Joseph, but from tech industry professional Sheila O'Connor, who will talk about everyone leading in the workplace, and Dr. Randy Watson, the Kansas Education Commissioner, who will discuss what it looks like for everyone to lead on education. We'll also be getting on the balcony and reflecting on the first season. The good news is that we're sharing a short bonus episode today. Bree recently recorded an excerpt of a journal story about efforts to bridge linguistic divides in Emporia, Kansas, as a case study for our Lead for Change program. We think it's a good bridge between the first and second half of our season. It's just eight minutes, and if you listen closely, we think you'll hear ideas from the book popping out, as our friend Eric Liu might say, in three dimensions. See you in two weeks for our fourth episode on May the 4th. Here's Bree. Embracing the Possibility of a Bilingual City by Joel Mathis. Editor's note, this story is excerpted from the fall 2022 edition of the journal, published by the Kansas Leadership Center. Read the full story at klcjournal.com slash emporia-spanish-speakers. On a blazingly hot June evening at Emporia State University, Leland Danes led a tiny group of community residents in a game of 20 questions. There was a twist to this contest. It was being played in Spanish, or mostly Spanish. The participants weren't native speakers, not on this night anyways, but they gave it their best. So why was this group struggling through a simple party game in a language they're just starting to learn? Because they're part of Emporia Spanish Speakers, a group founded by Danes to be more welcoming of the community's population of Spanish speakers and immigrants. More than a quarter of Emporia's residents are Hispanic, and nearly 13% are foreign-born, according to the U.S. Census Bureau. At most meetings, the effort is aided by some of Emporia's native Spanish speakers, 
At one gathering, for example, Sally Sanchez and other members of the local Hispanics of Today and Tomorrow group led a Spanish language lesson in tortilla making. The point isn't just to learn a language, it's to build connection in a community Danes believes has only haltedly welcomed new neighbors. The task, he says, begins by learning how to communicate with one another. Emporia isn't the only community in Kansas with a substantial Latino population. Hispanic population growth across Kansas has been underway for decades and transformed southwest Kansas towns such as Garden City and Dodge City from largely white to majority Latino communities. The pace of change has sometimes challenged cities with language barriers straining social service infrastructure, even as they sought to accommodate and serve their new residents. Spanish-speaking immigrants aren't a recent phenomenon in Emporia either. A century ago, Mexican laborers flocked to the city to work on the railroad, newcomers who eventually just blended into the community. But the heat over immigration has become higher in recent years. The town has seen occasional anti-immigration protests when the issue has flared up nationally. In the 1990s, saw a new wave of Latino immigrants, not just Mexican, but also immigrants from El Salvador, Ecuador, and Guatemala. Longtime residents could greet the growing Latino population with aloofness, but Latinos could also build communities with each other more easily. Sometimes conflicts within the community had centered on language. You live in the United States, you speak English, which I have no problem with, Sanchez says, but there have been times when I'm at an establishment or a resident and I'm speaking Spanish to a friend and somebody tells me, hey, you need to speak English. Why? This is my language. I'm speaking to a friend of mine, so I do what I want. That's when I get a little bit perturbed about it. Don Stoll, a professor emeritus of anthropology at KU who's been studying the change in Garden City since the 1980s, says how welcoming communities are making a difference. It's what's called the context of reception, he says. Those that have tended to transition more smoothly have a group of leaders who saw the need to welcome those new people who were culturally very different, which as it happens, is what Danes is attempting to do in Emporia. The creation of the Emporia Spanish speakers stems from Danes' own desire to become more proficient in the language. After learning Spanish in high school, his enthusiasm for it grew as he began traveling internationally after college. Reading and writing in Spanish came easily to him. Speaking, not so much. He needed more practice. So in 2017, Emporia Spanish Speakers was born. A typical gathering can involve 10 to 20 participants, learners and native speakers both. Many of the learners practice and learn between meetings on the Duolingo app, but when they get together, it's all interaction. The games, activities, and conversation. The group relies heavily on the participation of native speakers like Sanchez to help learners get the hang of Spanish as it is actually spoken. That's conceivably a burden, but Sanchez doesn't see it that way. The discussion group forms the core of Emporia Spanish speakers and Danes hopes it can serve as a model for other communities adapting to new immigrant populations. But that's just the start. 
ESS is also widening its range of offerings. The group now also runs Los Puentes, Spanish for the bridges, to offer instruction to elementary school-aged children. Nearly 30 students graduated from the most recent class at a Cinco de Mayo ceremony. And recently, ESS started an eight-week program to offer instruction to Emporio retailers interested in being more welcoming to their Spanish-speaking customers. There were 14 participants in the first program, Dane said, and another is being planned. If the amount of programming by ESS has grown, so has Dane's perspective on how Emporia has accommodated its Latino population. Contrary to his initial perception, he has learned that Spanish-speaking Emporia residents don't always feel welcome in predominantly English-speaking spaces. With that in mind, ESS in late August sponsored a community conversation on Latinx leadership featuring high-profile Kansas Latino officials. Despite growing members, participants pointed out few Latino Kansans hold local or state authority positions. There were a few dozen attendees, mostly a mix of older white community leaders and younger Latinos. Perhaps, inadvertently, the event highlighted a tension inherent in Dane's effort. If he's successful, Dane's, a white man, trying to plant the seed for Latino participation and leadership in his community, will at some point have to become less prominent. Creating space for more Latinos to lead might force communities to rethink old approaches. For example, while ESS small conversation groups encourage participants to immerse themselves in Spanish, the August community conversation was held entirely in English. That led one participant to question whether the discussion left out too many Spanish speakers. How can we involve more Spanish speakers at events like this to give them more of that power, the voice to actually be involved? Maria Solis, a 24-year-old Emporia accountant, said afterward. I just wish to see more people at events and share what they want to share their experiences, but also share them in the full spectrum, not just hindered with the language barrier. Dane said he recognizes the need to eventually make way for others to lead on the issue. For now, though, there seems to be appreciation in Emporia for the work that Danes is doing. Yahaira Ibarra, a 24-year-old Latina community leader who emceed the August event, says Danes has done a great job of getting the Latino community more involved. The effort is much needed just so people can see that there are people trying and there are people out there who want to expand that knowledge, expand the diversity, she says. Danes remains enthusiastic. My vision, he says, is to see a truly bilingual emporia, one where Spanish speakers learn to speak English and English speakers learn Spanish to enrich their own lives and feel connected to their neighbors. The spirit of the effort is reflected on a green t-shirt that Danes wears regularly to ESS events. It features a slogan, Si, como no. It translates to, yes, of course, he says. Why wouldn't we do that? We like to say yes to things.